Louder! This is the pod boss, TJ Bowser, and joining me as always is my doppelganger, Kangabanga from Down Under, Mr. Brody Kane. What up, cunts? And Mr. Slick Nick. Hey, hey, welcome back, everybody. We have a doozy of an episode for you today. But first, you know what time it is. It's time for your slice of life. Brody, tell them what you've been up to while we've been on hiatus. Oh, fucking, I've been here, there, everywhere, mate. Been across the fucking Australia. Went and saw my family, who I haven't seen in about two and a half years, which was very good to catch up with them. Didn't really want to leave and come back to Western Australia, though, mate. It was um, it was pretty pretty tough. Uh, I also had a wedding. One of my best mates got married, so I was the groomsman. That was a good night, actually. Um, Hell yeah. Managed to avoid getting uh, the spicy cough, also known as COVID. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, just been chilling out, watching bulk films, super excited for fucking season four because I tell you what, we've got some fucking great films to throw at y'all in uh, Radio Land. And, um, yeah, I mean, this morning I woke up at 5.30 in the morning, decided to get on Second Sight Films uh, and purchase Session 9, the limited edition uh, box set on Blu-ray. So, yeah, I'm pretty stoked to get that. And also I'm just currently waiting on Drop Dead Fred from Vinegar Syndrome to arrive down under. (laughs) I am so fucking excited for that film and the special features that that comes with. So, other than that, boys, yeah, uh, absolutely fuck all, pretty much. What about you, Slick Nick? How you been, mate? Not too bad. Uh, I went and visited some family myself, went and stayed at my sister's for a little while after Christmas uh, while I was on a holiday break. Um, so that was a fun time. Uh, I've mostly been stuck at home because uh, to any, this is not news to anybody in the Midwest, but like the past two weeks have been uh, blizzards and snowstorms and <laughs> not not wanting to leave uh so i've just uh i've just kind of been home um i did watch a couple movies here and there as well i watched uh war dogs the other day with uh with jonah hill that is a fucking fantastic movie uh that i highly recommend um but yeah i mean just finishing up some tv shows and stuff as well um i've also managed to not get the COVID, I got my my free tests finally in the mail that they were sending out. Uh, I have not had a chance to use them, luckily, at least. Thank God. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, I have just been working uh, since the holiday break and everything ended. So this past month has just been kind of business as usual on my end. What about you, uh, TJ? Well, I did get the spicy cough and... It wasn't that good. It was annoying. I felt like garbage, and I never want to get it again because it, it yeah. fucking sucked. And I, I my grandma got it too. <laughs> more so, the after effects sucked than anything. But other than getting fucking sick, I ordered a fuck ton of film. Brody probably can attest to this. Ah, uh, the last couple vinegar syndrome drops. Yep. I've been going crazy, stocking up on their Saturn's core 
partner label. Absolutely love shot on video horror films in February. If you don't know, Drop Dead Fred, which was originally slated for Severn release, was announced via Vinegar Syndrome with a very tasty slipcover. And both Brody and I purchased that. And I got my shipping notification this morning. I also got that Wicker Man set from Imprint Films via <clears> Vision. <throat> uh, I think is the main company for that. Ordered that coming from Australia. Super excited for that to get here. But yeah, watching a lot of films. Watched Mario Bava's Black Sunday uh, this morning. Awesome movie if you're into Italian cinema or just witch movies. It's definitely one to behold. I've watched tons of films, more I could get into, but I'm not going to waste your time. I want to talk about this week's film because it's the start of season four, and I can't fucking wait to talk about some of these films. And starting off season four is 1980's Night of the Demon. Those horror stories you heard about in the forest, they're true. They're all true. Officials found a camera with this film in it, but no trace of the people. We believe that there is a creature living in these mountains. And possibly a close relative to man. We're already in Bigfoot territory, where all those people were killed. from here, a motorcyclist was found. There was no trace of the thing that killed him. Our Bigfoot's not playing games anymore. Maybe next time he won't be happy just to scare us. Directed by James C. Wasson, who also did Dreamer in 1975, Windows in 1984, What the Big Boys Eat in 1985, and Chip Off the Old Block in 1986. Writers Mike Williams, who did the screenplay, story by Jim L. Ball. Cinematographer John Quick, who also did Laura of My Dream, a 2005 short. Music by Stuart Hardy and Dennis McCarthy, who also composed Star Trek Generations in 1994, Star Trek Voyager in 1995 to 2001, and Star Trek Enterprise in 2001 to 2005. Art director David Gooch, not the one that Chad licks. <laughs> you put a rim shot right there, didn't you? <laughs> uh, uh. Makeup by Curry Bushnell who also did Facing the Giants in 2006, Fireproof in 2008, and Brothers Keeper in 2013. Producers Jim L. Ball, who also directed Hotel Hell in 1984, Rodeo in 1985, and Uncut Club of Los Angeles, the foreskin movie, in 1986. Special effects, Susan brought budget $70,000! Starring Michael Cutt as Professor Nugent, who also starred in Remington Steel in 1984. Wasn't that your porn name, Brody? Fuck yeah! Yeah, I <laughs> Chicago Hope in 1995, In Volcano in 1997, Q Eruption. Joy Allen as Classmate, what a name, who was also in Man in the Dark in 1964 at Archie's Bunker's Place in 1982 to 1983, a TV series. Bob Collins as Roy, who starred in Lenny in 1974, Police Academy in 1984, and Seven in 1995. 
More on that film later this year. Well, a ripoff. Anyway, Jody Lazarus <laughs> as <Buckles>. Linda. <laughs> Rick Fields as first victim. <laughs> that was a flat <laughs> Rick, Field- uh. <laughs> Rick Fields as first victim or Carla's father, who was also in Vice Girls Limited in 1964. Melanie Graham as Wanda who starred in On the Television in 1989, a TV series. Shannon Cooper as Carla Thomas, who starred in Sexcapade in Mexico in 1973. Paul Keeler as The Sheriff, who starred in Meat Cleaver Massacre in 1977, Deadly Pursuit in 2008, and Wager Danger in 2021. And last but not least, Lynn Eastman Rosie as Sujin Nugent, who starred in Phantasm in 1979, Project X in 1987, and Unlawful Entry in 1992. Nick, read that plot! Professor Nugent and his students embark on a journey to locate Bigfoot, believed to be responsible for countless grisly deaths. They disturb a black magic ritual and eventually uncover the truth about Bigfoot and his offspring. But who will believe them? Awards. Didn't win any awards, but the motherfucker was on the video nasties list for an extended period of time. Could consider that. Yeah, that's kind of an award <laughs> award at this point. Yeah. Uh, this film contains some very graphic violence and imagery. So anyone who has a weak stomach, uh, be forewarned before you watch You're it. You're a pussy. Uh, yes. What uh, Brody just said. Boys? It's simple. Don't it's- be a white dog. Boys-, <laughs> <laughs> Boys, it's been a while, but let so we got a release from seven films that actually came out this month and it features a 2k scan from the recently discovered 35 millimeter answer print and has supplements that include such a little green kid out of Waco, Texas. Interview with producer Jim L. Ball. The Demon Made Me Do It. Interview with director James C. Wasson. Eye of the Demon. Interview with cinematographer John Quick. Fraternity of Horror, a previously unreleased 1964 feature produced by Jim L. Ball and shot by John Quick. Cryptid Currency, Transgression, Aggression of Bigfoot Cinema. Video essay by David Coleman, author of Bigfoot Filmography. Tales from the Cryptid. Interview with Stephen Bissett and co-author Cryptid Cinema. Deconstructing Patty. Interview with William Munns, author of When Roger Met Patty. Mondo Bigfoot. Interview with Lyle Blackburn, author of Boggy Creek Casebook. Ban the Sadist Videos. Ban the Sadist Videos Part 2. And My Nasty Memories. Interview with Ban the Sadist Videos director David Gregory. And of course, the trailer. Additional information. Barodi, take it away. Film was originally titled The Revenge of Bigfoot. However, the title was later changed to Night of the Demon. Before its release, due to the waning public interest in movies based around Bigfoot that had been popular through the 1970s, such as Bigfoot, The Capture of Bigfoot, Creature from Black Lake, The Curse of Bigfoot, The Legend of Bigfoot, The Legend of Boggy Creek, Return to Boggy Creek, and Sasquatch, The Legend of Bigfoot, just to name a few. Quick question. Is the same director of The Legend of Bo- Boggy Creek the same director who did The Town That Dreaded Sundown? Ooh, I don't fucking my- know. B. That's a good question. Um, do, 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 do. Charles B. Pierce. Does that sound correct? I'll put 10 bucks on it and say that it is. Who directed that? Yeah, Charles B. Pierce. Yes, it is. Fuck it, A. I'm good. And yeah, and for that one, I only got titles from the 70s. So just to show how many had come out like right before this, so I can understand. Okay, so while I was watching the supplements, real quick here, 
Uh, I want to say it was the cryptid currency supplement. They showed screenshots of posters of Bigfoot, various Bigfoot films, and one of them showed like a mech Bigfoot. What the? F- like, Why are we not watching like, that like, right like now? Like half Bigfoot, like half cyborg. <laughs> what? <laughs> I can't remember what it was called, but I saw it. It popped up on screen, and it exists. There was mega a- foot. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> In an interview with director James C. Wasson on the Severin release, James talks about not having seen the film. Well, uh, you know, I haven't seen it uh, based on what I shot. The film completed as how I shot it. There was no reason to ban it. There were no bloody scenes in it that I could remember. There were scary things, but there was no gore at all. Uh, Someday I'm going to have to sit down and, and watch the film and I'll have a better understanding of why it was banned. So we also have Mr. Wasson talking about being picked to direct the film. One day a buddy of mine called and he said, I'm about to do a film, a horror film. Would you direct it? I said, well, of course I would. So that was the beginning of our relationship in this film, Night of the Demon. It's that fucking simple. Hey, what did you do this? <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. guessing, because I don't really elaborate on it too much, so I'm guessing that he's talking about the producer, Mr. Jim Ball. James uh, goes on to talk about Jim L. Ball's script. Uh, He says, I read the script uh, and I thought it was okay. I began to storyboard to which I worked for a year getting it visually ready for the shooting. It took about a year for it to be put together because he decided that the script could use a little help. So he hired another writer, Mike Williams, who came up with a different version to which was exactly the same story and all, uh, except that he added characters and more information, which really did help. So we have James talking about the location and also shooting some takes. Um And he goes on to say that the film itself was actually shot at a location almost an hour drive from Los Angeles. And we found a lot of trees, lakes, and outdoors up there. The day before shooting, I was told that you have to shoot every scene in one shot. If you do any retakes, I'm taking the film away from you and giving it to somebody else. What the fuck? There is only one time I did two takes, and that was a scene where I was shooting something in a field and an airplane flew over. Everything else was in one take. Mm -hmm. That's a bit So James, yeah. Yeah. So James uh, goes on to talk about working on the production as well. Uh, He says, all of the actors, uh, I loved every one of them. They were all wonderful. They showed up on time. They knew their lines. We would rehearse the scenes until it was working, but it was about a month of shooting. Uh, I would get there around eight in the morning. Everyone would show up and we would shoot all day long. Then I would go home, work on the coverage until the next day, until two in the morning. So I I wasn't really getting much sleep at all. Man on a fucking mission. That's for goddamn sure. Yeah. Man wants his movie, man. So, well, yeah, that's right. Being the director, you have to take in charge, which is good. So we have James talking about the costume. Now, this is nice and short and sweet. In the version I shot, there were were about six different people playing Bigfoot. I love the costume of Bigfoot. I knew the costume designer from CBS when I had worked there. But that's where the costume came from. (laughs) Fucking short and sweet, eh? (laughs) Fucking CBS, of course. (laughs) It would have been so funny if he was like, it was actually that leftover Patterson-Gimlin film costume. (laughs) What the hell are you talking about? That's a real monkey. (laughs) However, we have the the producer later on. The the producer later on talks about the costume design 
on. He elaborates yep. a little bit more on it. So, isn't it just wigs glued onto a fucking person? Pretty much. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Speaking of that, we have uh, Brody and I own the dick ripping stickers. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> that we do. Yeah. And I would like to thank you for that, Mister Bezo. That was a nice Christmas present. How cool is the Surgeon General, though? From Pretty sk- fucking badass. <laughs> from skin uh, deep. I got to give a shout out. I got to give a shout out to the masturbating gun man. That was pretty cool. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. sick. The the intestine lasso. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the- How many times do you see that in a movie? I mean <laughs> I can think of two. It's this movie and Mass Rankin. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Severin. Thank you. Oh, man. Okay. So, James uh, talks about the gore scenes that were shot without him. He says there were five or six scenes where people's intestines were being ripped out, stabbing each other to death, ripping people's body parts off. And I was like, what is this? This has nothing to do with the storyline. So, I, I never really saw the film. Uh, I've never seen this Night of the Demon. I was about out in 1979 and in 1982 i was having dinner in beverly hills i walked back to my car and there was a video store so i walked in and i'm looking around and i see the horror section night of the demon with my name on it so i (laughs) knew it was the film that i had done and i was surprised that they had even released this i didn't even know that because they never told me so we have james talking about the his experience of the film so he goes on to state it was one of a kind. I'd never done a film like that. And I really hoped in my gut that this was going to be the beginning of my life and that direction of filmmaking. Didn't quite go that way. So at the time, it was really important for me. I loved doing it. It was great fun. But that was pretty much my one experience with general release kind of films. So Jim talks about the penis ripping scene. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he says, it was told as a flashback and a motorcyclist drives up, gets off his motorcycle to go into the bushes to do what men do and you can see what he's doing from the back next thing this hairy clawed hand reaches down and we got a condom that was filled with blood our fake blood was this uh the syrup that you mixed with water it was very effective but we could not find an actor that would expose himself i didn't realize it until we started to shoot that scene we knew a guy that did porn the guy was uncircumcised although he was in the film so when you see the night of the demon uncut you'll see it he is cut even though he claimed to be un. Got it. Gotta get rid of that fucking cheese, mate. Gotta get rid no, of that yeah. stank. Schmegma. <laughs> 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 Fucking stank dick over here. So Jim Ball, the producer, talking about the design of Bigfoot. Well, I hadn't thought of this in 50 years, to be honest, but we went to a leotard lady, and then we went to a mannequin store that was throwing away wigs. So we got those wigs, cut them up, sewed them to a leotard, and that was pretty much it. Also, we got a mask, and it cost about $600. Fucking A. Damn. Severin sold uh, a limited edition version of this mask whenever they released the movie initially that would have been sick if it had been actually signed by mr wasson yeah so jim talks about the artwork for the film well videotapes were just beginning so when i closed a deal and sold it I, i don't know what happened to it after that that was about 50 years ago I have moved about three times and lost many elements of the picture art. Man, I feel you on that one. Yeah. It's kind of sad that he didn't elaborate a little bit more on that because I love the fucking artwork for this. Yeah, the slipcover Mm. Severn provided us is absolutely exquisite and easily sells the film just based on that. So simple, but yet effective. Yes. Less is fucking more. I I think, so uh, I watched it, um, I watched 
digitally uh prime video uh, again we don't really know exactly which cut it may be a scan of the 35 as well but i actually noticed in reading the reviews i think they changed or they used a different poster for it and like all the reviews were you guys should have used the fucking original art <laughs> like every review was like good movie why'd you change the art <laughs> so which i'm pretty sure you do say in that documentary uh, with the producer. I'm pretty sure they show that, well, it might have been even the director. They show the original artwork for it. It's very gothic and dark. I like it. Yeah. Um, okay, so we have Jim talking about the print of the film. We have the first trial, and I don't know how I ended up with the first trial. Usually the producer never gets the first trial, but maybe they wanted to get it out of the lab so fast that they handed it to me. So that's the only print in existence now. And that's the answer print that was used to make the Severin version. So, yes, we discussed uh, pre-show about it being available via streaming. So that was the question is, where was that sourced from? Where was that file sourced from? So it almost would have to be from Severn if they're the only people that have that. Now, I was also aware that 88 Films, does that sound correct? has a release of Night of the Demon as well. They are releasing it as we speak, yes. Oh, they are, or they didn't do it in the the past? Well, I'm actually, well, I've only just seen it recently uh, with 88 films. Usually Ah. I'm pretty up to date with it, but I think that they, it's either they have released it just recently or they're going to in the future. Because I don't know if there's like another cut of this film that is from another print. You know, this is the 35 answer print, but this is the uncut version you know what i'm saying uh mm. i don't know if there was an edited vhs version that's out there or not i don't know i don't think that we have any information on that so um i do know uh that for a good while while it was on the video nasty list and there was no official release that's Margaret in the Thatcher's UK, doing, right uh partly yeah, yeah. And i say throughout the 80s and stuff um while the uk like while they were trying to figure out how to get a uk release it was quote unquote released um like tons of bootlegs and alternate cuts and things were apparently circulating through like conventions and things like that in the uk uh, in the 80s so there might be some like gray market cuts Mm. of the film as well and who knows how many people have cuts like that because i saw like tons of people saying like i bought this in the late 80s uh because it was in a bargain bin for like a dollar and it was like this is nothing like the one that i remember seeing this is much better like stuff like that I saw a lot of reviews and comments and stuff like that whenever I was doing research. Yeah, it looks like it's all, uh, so Mm. maybe it is the only cut or the only version of it and everything else is just VHS prior. It could be. Like I said, uh, I I watched it on Prime. It looked good. It looked fine. It wasn't dark, blown out. It wasn't like the contrast was good. Quality was fine. I mean, it looked... Of course, like it was shot in 1980, but it didn't yeah. look like shit or anything. So Okay. Uh, Keep the train rolling. Producer Jim Ball then talks about the gore scenes. He says, we shot all of the interiors in my garage. Well, the blood and guts were shot in my garage. However, the first release had no gore in it. The screen test came back as people hating it. So I, I sat down, I had a beer, and I wrote it all in. It cost us nothing. And they looked great. Yeah, using the device of the flashback definitely allows you to incorporate stuff like that and definitely creates a unique mm-hmm. story. Um, we'll talk about that more later. Uh, I think that other Bigfoot films use uh, a similar story structure uh, to this just because it's easier, I guess. I don't know. 
Yeah, part of it was they also um, they had to kill off unimportant characters that were still remaining at the end in the uh, final cut. So they had to add flashbacks to talk about characters that were like tertiary that you had not seen yet. So they had to be people who were just outside of like the main story. We'll elaborate a little bit more on what Nick said. Once the gore scenes had been added to the film, it performed much better with audiences and eventually become slated to receive a home video release for 1983. However, before the film was set to release in the United Kingdom, the BBFC listed the movie as a video nasty and bandits release. The film, the film remained banned in the UK for over a decade until 1994 when it was resubmitted for classification. The BBFC agreed to allow its release under an 18 certificate so long as a 1 minute 40 seconds worth of the gore was cut out. Each violent scene was then trimmed to some degree with the biker's castration and the intestinal flail scenes were being removed in their entirety before release. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. What's up, everyone? It's your host with the ghost, the prince of the paranormal, the duke of the dead, the cryptid keeper himself, Lord Scubacabra, from the podcast Somewhat Supernatural, here to talk to you a little bit about Bigfoot. Now, I watched Night of the Demon at TJ's request, and I just want to give you a little differences from what we actually see on screen and what an actual Bigfoot slash Sasquatch is actually like. So, in this film, Sasquatch is depicted as this evil entity, this, this demonic monster that's ripping people apart in his woods. And in actuality, there's never really been an actual reported account of a Bigfoot creature killing someone, as far as we know. Um, usually these creatures are very docile. When you see them, it's at a distance. They're not trying to make contact with anybody. They aren't territorial creatures. Um, a lot of them are nomads and they just keep moving. So the, the way that the Sasquatch in this movie was very territorial is very different than what we actually have witnessed in real life. Now, with that being said, of course, all creatures at some point can have, you know, angry intentions, but we don't have any recorded Bigfoot attacks to this extent. Um, like I said, they're, they're usually caught in the distance and not as angry as the one in this one. This one definitely had some crazy things going on. Um, but with that being said, there may be a point in time where we actually do have a Bigfoot account that is vicious and ferocious like this. Who knows? Um, there are Bigfoot sightings nearly every day in different parts of the United States. So there's more than one out there. Who knows if they are living in, you know, giant packs. And, you know, there is the interdimensional aspect that some people think that Sasquatch can travel between dimensions. And that's why he is rarely seen. So who knows? But when you're out in the woods, Keep your eyes open because you don't want to get your dick ripped off if he does have a bad day. This is Lord Scubacabra saying, see you on Somewhat Supernatural. Now, back to our show. So, due to the limitations brought on by the $70,000 budget, cinematographer John Quick shot the film using Arflex BL cameras with spherical lenses. Oftentimes, he was acting as his own camera operator rather than hiring and directing others for the job. In order to save costs, the vast majority of exterior scenes in the film were shot in underdeveloped areas around Los Angeles and Valencia, particularly near Six Flags Magic Mountain. The interior cabin scenes, of course, were then shot in Jim Ball's private 
studio on La Brea Avenue. And then the garage scenes later, as he stated, were for all the gore. And the college campus scenes were actually shot at Immaculate Heart College in Los Angeles to further save costs. There is a supplement, I want to say, on disc one of the Severn release where there's an interview with John Quick. And he talks about filming the exterior shots of the movie, especially the nighttime. Uh, Most of the stuff, they didn't have power or generators. They had to run extension cords from wherever a source of power was. So they weren't really deep in the woods, despite them trying to make it appear as such. So a lot of times when you see a character moving through the woods, they have multiple people holding lights, matching the pace of that actor uh, as they walk or perform. So there's definitely a unique look to this film because of the limitations. Throughout the period in which the film was banned in the UK, it remained a cult classic even before its official release on home media throughout heavy distribution of bootleg copies and other grey market releases that had appeared in video stores and conventions. Boys, let's talk about it! Okay, so favorite performance of the film, Nick! (sighs) I'm going to have to go with someone who actually was not even on our starring list at the top. I'm going to have to go with Barrett Cooper, who played Wanda's crazy father. Dude. (laughs) What killed the baby Bigfoot. And set the chain of events in motion because holy shit, that man plays crazed, like devout religious father so well. Like, uh, honorable mention to uh, Professor Nugent. He's like the uh, male version of Carrie's mom. Michael Cut. Yeah. Yeah, he, he like it reminded me of that. It was I I loved it. Like he just he sold it so well. So let me get this uh, chain of events right. Just in, since we're discussing everything now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, does he beat her for getting raped, or does she get beat then raped? Beat then. Um. So she so is that, like hanging out with the guy. So like is that the, why she says you caused this? Yeah. Okay. So she she is just hanging out with like a guy and he thinks that she slept with him. So he it beats her and then she gets assaulted by Bigfoot and then gets pregnant and then he kills baby. Now as grotesque as that scene is, uh his vinegar yeah, strokes fucked. are hilarious. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> God God please <laughs> Bigfoot looking up and making eye contact with the camera as he's as he climaxes is just something for cinema. Uh, it, it's like the it's like the always sunny when you see Dennis do the like like yes, veiny like yes. look into the it was this I was like no <laughs> what why does Bigfoot remind me of fucking Glenn Howard and no <laughs> Brody performance that's a fucking good one um I probably have to go with Melanie Graham who plays Wonder I mean I was going to say Bigfoot himself but he's played by like six different fucking people with that seventies bullshit trick to photography, whatever. <laughs> yeah, but no, yeah, like I said, Bigfoot's soon to be wife, fucking <laughs> wonder. <laughs> we can call her that, I guess. <laughs> I guess. So after that happened, does Bigfoot just come back and like they fuck like all the time? Like, is that what goes on? I, well, I don't, I don't think, think she's going to be able it, to take but... any more dick after Bigfoot's dick, pretty much. Well, because so. she says like he likes me, that's why he keeps coming back and brings her things. Like, is he bringing her more than just the, yeah. 
He's we do have to remember her character is 15, by the way, in the first scene. Uh, well, yeah, but afterwards, <laughs> we're talking mod like after the flashback. I mean, yeah, it's like what did they even say exactly how long the current events take place after? Like, because she's like, I know she's like a full grown woman. She's in her twenties or something at least, yeah. but I don't think they actually said like how how long afterwards. I just, I, that's says. how I took that scene whenever they were looking through all those like trinkets and shit. Which is actually part of uh, we can actually probably talk about like actual Bigfoot stuff. We were gonna have a, a, a like a our uh, resident Bigfoot guy on to talk about this, but like it is part of like the the Bigfoot lore that he brings certain people thing. Like the Bigfoots are known to bring people gifts. Oh, uh, so when she, they mention that, and then she's like, "Oh, he really likes me." I took it like he's bringing me gifts and fucking me. Uh Mm. Yeah, he's bringing these big old donkey dicks. I brought you a bottle. Let's fuck. <laughs> you, I made this out of deer bones. <laughs> you will never get to be with any other man after you've been with me. So, but yeah, I mean, her character though, she definitely shows that this these fucking layers, you know, of her being happy at the start, then insane yeah. at the end. Definitely emotionless. I, I think when she when she gets in that state of being emotionless, it's it's very intimidating to watch because you obviously you go on this journey with her and just see her break down, and yeah. she actually sells it extremely well. And that scene when all of a sudden she admits to killing her father, it's like holy fuck, like. Yes, you can't even I'm, blame I'm, her at that point. Yeah, no, you, like you, you, you get, you're like, I'm rooting for you the whole fucking time, yeah. like to do it because he's mm. just such a cunt. But anywho, that's my favorite performance. What about you, Mister Bowser? Yeah, we can sit here and make all the inappropriate jokes in the world about Wanda and what she went through. But honestly, where as silly and as ridiculous as the, as some situations are in this film the story of wanda and the things that she goes through with the cults and then the things that she went through as she was younger you definitely see some sort of progress throughout the course of this movie and whoever what's the name of the actress that plays wanda there uh i think we uh, melanie, melanie um graham what do i say melanie yeah. yeah she does a fantastic job playing this traumatized person and i think that especially in that final act it's really driven home that i've been through some shit and this is what's gonna happen uh there is a supplement on the disc that's called uh cryptid currency transgression aggression in bigfoot cinema and it talks about uh how bigfoot is portrayed in some of these movies and how this movie in particular of all of the other movies that came out around this time period doesn't hold anything back and as to once again and i apologize to reference the rape scene that's pretty full-on and they don't hold anything yeah. back. They're not showing any penetration per se, but they're doing something where other films in 1980 weren't doing, and that's showing a creature raping a human. And it's a very intense scene. And yeah, it's it's silly at the end there, but I think that that just helps you deal with or process the crazy shit you just watched less is more mm. yes and it oh, can yeah. be and i think a lot of films at this time i think nick mentioned that earlier were taking that approach and i think that the fact that wasan chose to be full on with this it just shows like where his head was when creating this movie and how it yeah let's say thinking 
So that was probably in the original cut, right? Like the original cut of the film before that. That's the like it was an external shot with one of the main characters of the movie, so it wouldn't have been anyone that Jim brought in. But why would he have a problem with dick ripping? But he's not okay with with Bigfoot rape. Well, that's the whole weird thing with like the whole Americans and stuff. It's uh, it's like almost the reverse. It's that whole like, well, you guys are okay with as much violence as you can possibly fit on screen, but you show a nipple and everyone loses their fucking mind and like it he would have been coming off of the back end of all these bigfoot movies and like i can imagine if he didn't have the gore this was the The big the van scene as well bad scene the van, this this was the huh the van scene has prolonged nudity that is true i don't mm, it's hard to you'd have to ask him like specifically like which scenes were were in in I your know, cut. i know that when the video nasty board got got with it uh they said the van the dick i don't know if the rape scene was was mentioned i can't remember now mm. and i think that that final sequence where everybody's getting murdered at the end uh, i think that, that makes also, sense yeah but you could easily like even if he did have the van scene in what's to say that you can like cut that before the violence starts like maybe he actually shot some of those scenes and then cut it and then old mate the producer just come in and just said jump in this van we're going to shoot some gore scenes you know so who knows in in the original version there could have been a van scene but then mr ball was just like fuck this let's add some gore to that yeah yeah also did you notice i don't know if brody will pick up on this uh and this will transition probably into this uh did you notice that the uh, sleeping bag scene is an homage to Prophecy that came out a year prior? I've not seen the Prophecy or that that one. Oh. I've seen the the Christopher Walken one, but not Prophecy from mm-hmm. nineteen was it nineteen seventy nine or I think yeah that's the one with the, been... the creature in the woods. Yeah, no, I haven't seen that. I've been meaning to. I do oh, apologize, okay. but I did, my brain immediately went to fucking uh, Christopher Walken. No, uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Oh, part seven. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it might. It, it immediately went to in the uh, simulated campers yeah. part, <laughs> into, the, uh, into the tree. Jason X, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, boys, favorite set piece. Uh, I'll start this one off. Uh, I love the general store because I know that it's just a fucking cabin that they made to look like a store, and it looks believable. But <laughs> I will go with the great outdoors because I love movies that are outdoors like this. There's a movie called Ritual that in uh, and just before dawn and just before dawn that I absolutely. <laughs> love i was gonna say that you ass uh, yeah, i absolutely love those two films and those Is it heavily outside movies i highly doubt it but are you talking about the 2017 ritual no rituals it's about a group of okay. uh doctors that go in the woods and they get killed by something in the woods. Oh, okay. All right. All right. I was like, I don't, I don't think he is, but my brain immediately was just like, are you talking about the Netflix movie with the British dudes? <laughs> the joke, the Jotun? Just before dawn's the waterfall slasher movie. I mean, Mick crazed maniac. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of stock footage in there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, like I said, the outdoors. Uh, Nick, um, just say, uh, I, I kind of had more specifically a certain room within the cabin. Oh, uh, I 
had the dead baby shrine. Fucking A, yeah. man. The, the shrine that she had spent the last however many, I guess an untold, because like I said earlier, they don't really say how, like where we are now as compared to the flashbacks. Um, But like, you know, how, how long she's spent in there either alone or being visited by Bigfoot. And like, it, there's all the trinkets and stuff and it's, it's half mysterious as to whether he's going in there and like building it with her almost like a freaking nest. Because we do see later whenever he comes back that he does care about his dead baby. Um, that scene so like, almost made you feel for Bigfoot, just because the fact almost. that he picks up the <laughs> coffin. Yeah, almost. <laughs> Not quite, but almost. <laughs> I don't know, we, we had uh, some established scenes with him beforehand that uh... <laughs> don't go over well. At least in my head. But <laughs> There's a reason why that baby is dead and that's uh, all yeah. he's doing. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, no, I, I was going with that. Just the absolute squalor of it. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's, you know, you can see why whenever they, they come in and like, do you remember this? Do you remember this? And they're try- doing the hypnosis. She freaks out yeah. every time she goes into there. And it's like a hiding place. It's almost like a nest. It's almost half animalistic. Like, I just liked the way that all of that was set up. And when they finally barge in after her and reveal it, it's just like that much. And how she just stays calm through the whole fucking time where he's just busting Mm -hmm. because she knows, like, he won't touch me. He's here for you. Yeah, he's, he's going to kill you guys. So fucking cool. Oh, yeah. Set piece, Brody. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with the creepy rape shack in the woods. <laughs> um, just basically where all the shit goes down pretty much, you know, um, yeah. from Sassy's mom, well, Sassy's future wife giving birth to the bloody massacre. I mean, I would say it looks like a very gothic production design if I had to really tone it down. Uh, it's just, it's amazing. I, I just love those really random fucking gothic looking yeah. creepy fucking shacks in the middle of fucking nowhere mm-hmm. you know um even even in that scene when they say the room stinks like i could smell it like it's like that musky rotting timber you know that just even had my asthma playing up throughout that fucking scene so <laughs> almost like it's almost like junior's house from snake eater in a way if we're gonna call back to like a okay previous sidebar so LCE listeners, we had an LCE store up for two weeks and we offered a limited edition Snake Eater shirt, which was a replica of the shirt that Soldier wears in the movie. So we put it up and it was up there for two weeks on Tee Public, and we started a LCE account and everything specifically for that because we had plans on continuously releasing replica movie shirts well about oh about a week after we put the design up it got taken down so at we the, the store lasted two weeks the design lasted maybe a week uh we got a notice that some somehow it triggered a copyright for a fake military operations group but <laughs> brody managed to get his in and now has the only existing LCE merch. Damn. Worth millions one day. (laughs) And And got the approval. Lorenzo Lamas himself commented on his Instagram post, giving his seal of approval on the shirt. (laughs) Awesome. And he goes, well, I tagged him in it and I said, can I please join the snake eaters? And he goes, hold on to that one, sir. With two beers clicking together. I was like, my man. And then the music. Hell came. yeah! Soldier. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! That actually just reminded me. I was I was re-listening. Uh, I was re-listening to an old last podcast on the left episode because I usually just do on my way to work. I can't remember what it was, but they were talking about like actors or something. It was something with Edward James almost, and I think it was Ben just goes out of nowhere. Do you remember that old actor from the eighties, Lorenzo Lamas? And I was like. <laughs> 
oh, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I don't remember this part. Listen to this first time. Okay, so favorite scene or shot? Ooh. Nick, go first. So for the shots, at least, um, I actually had some of my favorites were the establishing uh, shots for the nature, like with the, when they were coming in on the boat uh, each time. Mm, I guess so it, it was like twice, but those establishing shots I thought were extremely well done. Um, especially now knowing that, you know, there's an extension cord running off behind the camera and it's almost brought like the same sort of like, whoa, okay, that looks really cool uh, that I felt with establishing shots in like the Revenant, like just recently, like the, the Leonardo DiCaprio Revenant of them coming down the river on the boat. I got the same sort of feel with them coming in and the music I thought for that was also just extremely well done, like props to, you know, the composer and everything for it. It kept reminding me of that uh, song Glory Box. Um, but I guess I did have an honorable mention. Uh, the title screen, the bloody Bigfoot footprint, the like iconic one. So you think of Bigfoot. Cool. It, it filling up with the blood and yes. everything. I was like, oh, we are in for a treat. Does anything set the tone better than that intro? Fuck. Oh, good. That tells uh, you that this movie is going to be different than any other Bigfoot movie you've ever seen. Right? Yeah. There. And the fact that they, it's a long shot of that fucking footprint filling up with blood and they wait until it's completely filled before they drop that title on you. Mwah. Oh. Chef's kiss to what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it's so good. But yeah, that was my, I, I really publishing shots of uh, of all of it coming in. I also did kind of really enjoy the shot of Bigfoot looking around, scanning the room with all of the remaining students in before he proceeds to massacre everyone. Him I lording think the over everybody scene at the, the end is shot extremely well. There's yeah. a lot that goes on, and I think that he manages to just cover all of that, especially when a homeboy busts through the fucking window and they start chucking stuff out the window. Yeah. It's just, uh, the whole thing, yeah, um, honorable mention to what Nick said with the fucking Bigfoot foot blood, whatever the fucking fuck it right. was. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, heck, you not? You got to mention that shit. Um, I don't know. I think my favorite scene was maybe uh, people digging up the baby grave. Uh, I guess I, yeah. I guess that was a fun scene to watch, but <laughs> as morbid as that sounds, but I, I don't know. The reveal and the anticipation was there, and yeah. it was great to see. Uh, my favorite shot would have to be the birthing scene when the father of uh, of Ooh. fucking what's is a wonder that gives birth, you yeah. know, yeah. and the way he holds up that new yes. h- hybrid freak to the camera. Yeah. While it screams coming after birth. I mean, it's just, you know what, between the sound and the lighting of that scene, it's fucking effective how does, and it pays uh, off 110% for me. How does that mutant baby compare to the Eraserhead mutant baby? I'd say Eraserhead's pretty fucked up just yeah. because it's... I still like, think you actually get to see it. You get to more, see it. Yeah. It's a bit more demented. Um, I mean, the real thick goo afterbirth that's on this baby, you can't really see its face. Okay, that's fair. But we... But we get to see its bones yeah. in the grave, and that's pretty full on. It's like a fucking sheep's head. Yeah. Yeah. In saying that, they're my two. What about yours, Mr. Bowser? Yeah, like I said, that whole final sequence is pretty cool in the uh that shot of the, the foot. I was in agreement of you guys. Favorite effect and or death. Now, this is going to be a point of contention for all of us because there is so much awesomeness in this movie, whether that comes in dick rips, uh, Girl Scouts, Axe. <laughs> I love the Girl Scout scene. I think it's absolutely insane. Uh, just the whole, Ugh. I'm going to grab your hands 
and make you stab each other is just a it's it's gross the way it's shot. Uh, I think Nick uh, even mentioned it made him cringe. Just a, we we talked about this before I left yeah. my office today. I was like it not the best effect I've ever seen in my life, but I did actually physically cringe a little bit with the it looked like it split the two forearm bones yeah. a bit and it just went like I was ah, ah. <laughs> like I was not expecting that. And it comes out of nowhere. Scene. It's unapologetically brutal. But that's Absolutely. definitely my favorite death on uh, effect. It also has to be that as well. I think that there's just a lot that goes into that specific scene. So yeah, Girl Scouts all the way. Brody? Well, I'll say it. How could I not choose the fucking dick rip scene? <laughs> that shit was I knew fucking one of us would. nuts. Yeah. Literally. See what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, try and do something like to that. Uh, try and do something like that today yeah. and uh, see how far you get with the MPAA. And I just wish that that blood that drips on the bike, from, you know, have it steaming and bubbling on the fucking motorbike engine. I mean, a Serbian would have been awesome. Got made. <laughs> Teeth got made. Oh, God. Contracted also got made. So. <laughs> it's a lot of penis yeah. films. Uh, yeah, oh, that, that, um, yeah, that scene to me was, um, yeah, it was just fucking awesome. And, and that sticky you sent me uh, just makes it 10 times better. So yeah. thank you for the sticker. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and any excuse to, to send you a dick, Brody. Nick? Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> so I would say for favorite death, I am actually going to pick the intestinal flail. Um, I just loved the use of it. Uh, like I said earlier, how like think of a movie where someone pulls intestines out, uses it as a flail, as a weapon to kill someone else like there's this and then uh shit and i'm wait blanking on the it penis on the stickers uncircumcised yes yeah, so that's a goddamn lie those bastard continuity <laughs> <laughs> did that stench lines uh, coming off the knob <laughs> Jesus Christ. The cheese. Thank you. cheese. God. <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, God. For death, I'm going to have to go with the intestinal flail. Yes. Um, special mention to sleeping bag helicopter maneuver. Um. <laughs> he lands on a saw, rolls over, and then Bigfoot's like, oh, an open wound. Let me stick my hand in there. <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> if you insist <laughs> and then, of course you guys pointed out this is now the second intestinal flail we've had on the show yeah yeah and the second uh, dick rip because spoiler alert masturbating gunman also gets his penis taken off he does indeed yes. mm. he does indeed uh but yeah so in, intestinal flail for death uh with a special mention to the sleeping bag helicopter throw uh <laughs> Which would now, which would then go on to be immortalized in Jason X, uh, <laughs> which was immediately what popped into my head when I saw it. Um, as for just effect, just pure effect, it's either going to have to go to, uh, like Brody said, the the squiggly moving Sasquatch baby, uh, or Professor Nugent getting his face turned into a giant ball of charcoal Fucking at the end. Uh, but yeah, 
that, that would be that would be mine. So thoughts on story. I'll go into what I think, and then Brody, you can pick up, and then Nick, you can follow. Yep. Uh, so this movie is like this weird amalgamation of a bunch of genres. This is a cryptid movie through and through, but there's like hints of folk horror in here with the weird cult stuff and like bit of a slasher as well. Yeah, a bit of a slasher stuff. The hand uh, footage, maybe. Yeah, there, there's kind of that feel in it. I think that's only because of the footage is so low budget that it almost feels documentary esque at times. Uh, watched again, reference Legend of boggy creek that we talked about earlier charles b pierce mm-hmm. uh yeah i just think that this film draws inspiration but again it's 1980 so it's kind of this stuff is just getting hot at this point so yeah i love this the way that they incorporate all these different storylines and all these different characters to make this really out of whack fucking bigfoot tale i think that this story would become almost like the template for any other Bigfoot movies, even just creature movies. You have like this college professor or high school uh, teacher who takes their group of students out and then this creature attack. Like that, like this is like early, like this movie has to be one of the earlier movies like that. If not, like especially Bigfoot and the genre yeah. of Bigfoot. Uh, fuck, it's cool. It's really fucking cool. I think that they mentioned that there's a movie that is technically the first uh, movie that is like that where uh, a monster kills a group of people and it's a Bigfoot movie of, of sorts. I just can't remember what it's called. Janpa or something like that. Uh, fuck if I can remember. It's on the, the documentary. But yeah. <laughs> I tried to look it up and Google just went, you misspelled Japan, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the fucking story is pretty fucking rad. It sticks out amongst so many other fucking oh, yeah. crazy Bigfoot films that came out at the time. And I love that it, it draws inspiration from so many other genres and puts them into one big cohesive story that kind of sort of works and has some really memorable scenes. Brody? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I, I love character development in a film. Yeah. Um, especially that's what has to drive the fucking story most of the time. But you know, like overall, I like the story. I like how the story involves all of these characters and their personalities pretty much before you get to see the creature wipe them out. Um, um, I, I like the little twist on. Oh shit! I like the little twist on it um, involving the girl who becomes mm-hmm. the mother of um, this fucking deformed baby. Um, I, I mean, you could see you could see it coming a mile away, but more importantly, like like just thank fuck they introduce the absolute bonkers and batshit crazy gore fest into this film because I honestly don't think it would have done extremely well. Well, it, not that it did well anyway, but it's a lot better film. Let's just say with all that violence in there, it's definitely a horror film. It's uh, if you love gore, fucking. This 110% will fulfill your fucking needs. Um, and I love just how cheap and nasty it was to make because it just feels so grounded in, and it, it shows upcoming filmmakers out there that you, that anyone can make a fucking great film off a fucking zero dollar budget pretty much. So what they're able to achieve with this film, I think it's fucking great on, especially with the storytelling. Is that some of your impact and takeaways as well? Sorry, yes, it would be. Um, I think it's also I can elaborate. Yeah, I, I look. I can elaborate a little bit more on that as well in my impact and takeaways. I've, so, I've got a bit carried away there, obviously, but um, you're I making a good point great. for sure. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be the first time that our, our thoughts on story and impact and takeaways have kind of blended this together. Movie, I think it just naturally works that way. This movie does yeah. kind of like what Evil Dead does. It shows that you can do a lot with a little if you try hard, mm-hmm. hard enough. Yeah, and the and the one thing, like obviously, you know, you had the producer and director like sort of fighting over it to what they able to achieve still with a movie like this between the two i i think, I think it's done well i yeah. think it's great what about you slick nick yeah 
Um, so, and like I said, I think it is inevitable with this one. My impact and takeaways are going to bleed to this. There's just no way around it because it's going to be part of how I explain this. Um, but just like I, I do really like how there is just almost always another twist coming around the corner. Yeah. Um, with this movie, it, it starts and you're like, okay, this is a cryptid. It is a monster movie. And then you get, you start to get into sort of the thick of it. And then it becomes, oh, it's not just a, a monster movie. This is also a, a slasher film at the same time. Okay. And because of that, like Brody said, that low budget, that grisly, grimy, it's, it's, it's like, oh, it's, not just a slasher. It's like a freaking grindhouse movie too. Okay. Well, we're going in a lot of different directions here. And then as it starts to reveal more and more of the story, you get the cult background, you know, when they come across the, the cult has Wanda tied up and everything. And now they're like, okay, well, what the hell is like part of it? And you're like, okay, well now we're getting into, now it's getting into full core and, you know, and now it's like, you know, like kill list and like, like stuff like that. Again, to name something we've, we've done in the past, but, and then it just keeps going. They go, well, let's go talk to her. And now there's a part, there's an aspect of it that's a bit of a mystery movie as well. Yeah. So like, it it just keeps going. Some people might, I I won't lie. Some people might think that's a bit cluttered. They might think it's confused. It might turn some people off. Um, There's just no way around that. If it's not for you, it's not for you. But I think that it works. Yeah. I think that each twist adds a new layer and it adds more context and it makes it just more interesting to watch. You now get to this point and you get that flashback. You find out what happened to Wanda. Now it's like, oh, well, now there's a little bit of, I spit on your grave, a little bit of irreversible in it maybe it's a bit of a like sort of rape revenge film kind of thing going on last house on the left sort of thing would have been that probably would have came out you know i think a couple years before this too um and then you find out you know she killed her father which you know like she killed her father she's sort of weirdly stockholm syndromed by yeah the bigfoot and so it she's now a part of it and it's almost like looking down the line if you've seen prisoners it's similar to it in that the person who you think is innocent ends up you know and there's red herring like here and there and it just gets more and more complex as the film goes on until it reaches just a boiling point and then it goes all right we have to climax for this where do we go well fuck you thought it was going to be a monster movie at the beginning hell yeah let's just go balls to the wall for finale and you want a monster movie we'll give you a fucking monster movie fucking a so yeah i guess that was just kind of mine that does cover my impact and takeaway i would not be surprised at all if the guy who directed irreversible or prisoners or like any of those just went yeah I saw that movie. Pretty good. I got a like. I got a. I got a gray market UK release. Uh, market, but yeah. So yeah. So finishing things off, this movie dared to do something different in a time, or really at the height of the popularity of the Bigfoot movie genre, and with the way movies are now, especially in the Bigfoot genre, it definitely stands out as one to set a precedence, and especially around with what was going on with Video Nasties at the time, and for it to be caught up in all of that, it stands out as one of those titles that said hey it changed the course of history it impacted or negatively impacted you know the bbfc in this way that they said hey this this is going to be on this list of films that you cannot see because it's going to destroy our culture in some way but it's just crazy to think that this movie was only available to a select few of people who were lucky enough to own it on vhs up until this month where it dropped on blu-ray and i'm just happy that seven films was able to preserve this part of history and were able to watch it restored and in hd and with all these accompanying supplements to really give you a perspective of the situation what was going on when they created this film and a lot of that behind the scenes information that really a lot that shows how important this film was to just the genre 
to cryptid cinema and just to what Severn is doing as a company with releasing these video nasties to the mass market now. So thank you, Severn. And fuck yeah. Anything you want to say? Pretty? Um, I would like to see a remake to this. Okay. And I mean, like, you wouldn't make it identical, but the, the potential it has, you know, especially today, you know, uh, with not too many Bigfoot films out there, this could be a crazy good film to actually, you know, do a little bit of a throwback to the 70s and 80s, uh, grindhouse type film. Um, and it'd be a fresh take on the Sasquatch genre, I, I, I find. Um, do you know what? For an example, all right, here we are. <laughs> One scene, we could have our own Bobby and the Sasquatch battle it out. It tries to rip Bobby's cock off, Succeeds. Bobby beats it to near death with his Italian man mate. It'd be a cool Easter egg on the OG with a twist. I like this. There you go. Except Beautiful. Bobby has no dick and he becomes the masturbating gunman now. Directed by Lars von Trier. <laughs> 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 For reference, Bobby is the host of The Machine Shop, and it is rumored that he has... Schmidt. Yes. <laughs> okay, boys, so let's rate this film, and this week's rating is Crazed Dick Ripping Bipedal. Okay. And this week's rating is Crazed Dick Ripping Bipedal 8 Men out of 5. Slick Nick, give us your score, you filthy whore. I will give it an even 3. Three. Three out of five. I'll give it a 3.3 dick rips, mate. I'm going to give it a 2.5. And that is an LCE score of three out of five. Crazed dick ripping bipedal eight men out of five for 1980s Night of the Demon. Once again, thank you to Severn Films. And if you were looking for a Bigfoot movie that will blow you away, head to severnfilms.com and purchase it now. Brody, what's next episode going to oh, offer? You are in for a fucking treat because I know, oh, I was about to say Richard Franklin. What's his fucking name? Richard Lynch. Fuck. <laughs> I fuck that up every time. Richard Lynch went full method acting with this next role. In bad dreams, he literally lit himself on fire and for the role. In the mm. name of exploitation, it covers so many things. It's exploitation, and it's technically ripping off a film that the main starring character was in. And there that is, is a story behind that. There is, and we'll talk about that when we talk <laughs> about the movie. And Richard Lynch didn't go full method. I was only joking, but you will understand why I fucking said that when we elaborate on it a bit more. The man's got jokes. You don't have to wait a week. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> but thank you for tuning in to this episode of Lights, Camera, Exploitation. It is nice to be back talking film with you. It is nice to be back talking film with my boys and watching all these crazy exploitative movies. This is the Pod Boss. See you next week. Good to be back, cunts. And this is your doppelganger Kangabanger signing out, and I'll catch y'all fuckers next week. Slick Nick saying welcome back. Good to have y'all. Everybody stay safe out there. We love you.
and no, also shit. I saw a video of a Bigfoot attempting to rape a girl who's hanging from a tree, so she gives him a foot job with his very large penis, and he ejacula- ejaculates and then throws her down, and her pants come up, so he charges her with his erect penis, and she covers herself, her vagina, and starts screaming, and then the video cuts. Even that's a little bit warped for me, but I'd still watch it. What the fuck? <laughs> I, wonder what, I wonder what the word is for Sasquatch fetish. I don't know what that would be. Uh, I don't know. Cryptosexual. I only know oh, shit. You're probably right. <laughs> I just yeah, know. How the fuck on, uh, do you even know that? I just guessed. Yeah, uh, that could probably be it. <laughs> uh, we'll go with that. I just say I just know because last podcast has creepypasta episodes and Henry always reads. Uh, if it's cryptozoology, it's gonna be cryptosexual, right? Anyway, anyway, <laughs> th- this is for the bloopers. <laughs>